Hey everybody, welcome or welcome back to the Journey Church Podcast. It's Matt here, and at the end of this episode, I'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Journey app where you can access all of our recent message content. And actually, the app's the easiest way to share all this content with a friend and to keep up with everything going on around here at Journey. Just search Journey Calway in your app store. Now, most importantly, I hope this message inspires you to take your next step in following Jesus. Well, almost 2,000 years ago, around 32 AD, Jesus made one of his most unbelievable prophecies. You know what a prophecy is? It is a prediction with a guarantee. Everybody makes predictions. We've all done that. But when you guarantee your prediction, well, that's taking it to another level. And Jesus did this on numerous occasions. Matter of fact, I would say this prophecy that we're going to look at today is one of the top three that he ever made. Obviously, when he predicted his own death and resurrection, well, that's a pretty big one. you got to put that one at the very top. I think his third greatest prophecy is, and you may not be familiar with this one, but it's when he predicted that the temple in Jerusalem was going to be completely destroyed. He predicted no stone would be left on top of another. And when he predicted that, it was unthinkable. It was unbelievable. Matter of fact, people pushed back and said, how in the world could you possibly say that? And yet, just about 37 years after he made that prophecy, that prediction... When AD 70 it came true, the Roman general Titus broke through the walls of Jerusalem and he completely ransacked and destroyed the temple in Jerusalem. It was something no one expected to ever, ever see. But this prophecy we're going to talk about today, I think it slides in right between the crucifixion and resurrection and the destruction of the temple. Jesus one day is standing with his 12 closest followers, his disciples. They're standing outside of a city that most Jews wouldn't even be around. It's a city that's named after Caesar Augustus and King Philip II. It's called Caesarea Philippi. Caesarea Philippi was a home to all of these temples and shrines, the temples and shrines to Zeus, to Hermes, to Pan. Matter of fact, the the shrine, the cave there to Pan, they believed that was the entrance to Hades, that that cave was the entrance to the place of the dead. If you went in there, you never came back out. So they had all of these different temples, all these different shrines that represented their understandings of all the different gods in the world. And standing there outside that city, looking at all of these temples and shrines, Jesus looks at his 12 closest followers and he asks them this question. He said, who do people say the Son of Man is? Okay, we're looking around. We know who they think Zeus is and Hermes is and Pan is and all these other gods. But who do people think I am? What's the word on the street about me? And they replied, well, some say you're like John the Baptist, or some say you're Elijah, come back from the dead. Still others, you're like Jeremiah or one of the prophets. In other words, they look back at him and they say, okay, well, everybody thinks you're some type of important religious figure. Nobody's just really clear on your identity. Nobody's exactly clear on who you are. There's still a little bit of confusion around you. And then Jesus asks a question that gets so personal. He looks back at him and he says, but what about you? Who do you say that I am. Now, this is a much harder question to answer because I can report on what other people have to say, but I've got to own what I say. And he's trying to drill down and make this very, very personal to them. Now, before we move forward, I just want you to think about this question for a minute. If you were asked this, who do you say Jesus is? How would you answer? You see, your answer to that question determines how you relate to, follow, trust, and embrace Jesus. If you think, well, he's a good teacher. You know, he taught a lot of great stuff. Let me tell you what's going to happen because of that. You're going to embrace the teachings of Jesus that you like. You're going to discard the ones that you don't. 
If you say, well, I think he's a bodyguard God. Jesus is there to protect me, to make sure nothing bad happens to me. Well, then you're going to approach and relate to Jesus a certain way, and you're going to be very, very disappointed when life becomes difficult. If you think he's just a fake, he's a fraud, it was all made up, well, obviously you're not going to trust him enough to follow him, and you're going to think those of us who do follow him, well, we're fools. You might not say it that way, but that would be accurate. If Jesus is a fake, then we're all fools. How you view Jesus, who you believe he is, what you think about his identity, it determines whether you trust him, whether you follow him, and how you embrace him. And so he's looking at his 12 disciples. Now think about this. For nearly three years, they have been with him 24-7. They have heard him teach. They have watched him perform miracles. They have seen him in all kinds of situations. And now he's looking at them saying, all right, I've let you follow. I've let you be curious. I've let you try to figure this out. But now I want to know where you land. Who do you think I am? And Peter, speaking for the group as he often did, Peter says, well, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. These Jewish men had come to the conclusion that the long-awaited Messiah, the one the Jewish people had believed in, hoped for, waited for, and anticipated for centuries and centuries and centuries, Peter and these Jewish men had come to the conclusion that they were looking that Messiah right in the eyes, that God in human flesh was standing in front of them, that Jesus was God with us. And so as Peter makes this extraordinary declaration, and I don't think we can fully understand just how extraordinary it was for him to acknowledge this, but as he makes this declaration about their belief in Jesus' identity, Jesus looks back and he says to him, well, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this wasn't revealed to you by flesh and blood. You didn't figure this out on your own. But by my Father in heaven. And then this is the moment where Jesus makes this prediction, this prophecy, that's so bold, that's so unbelievable. That the 12 guys, when they heard it, they weren't even sure it would come true. I'm not even sure they fully understood what it meant. But he looks at them and he says, And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, on this statement, on this truth, on my identity that you just spoke about, that I am the Messiah, that I am God in human flesh, on this truth, on this rock, Peter, I will build my church. Now, as we have talked about before, we hear the word church, we think something religious. This was a term in the first century that had no religious connotations to it whatsoever. We hear church and we think about buildings being built, about religions being started. All it meant when Jesus said it was, on this truth of who I am, on my identity, I am going to build a gathering, an assembly. I'm going to build a movement of people. A movement of people, and this is important, a movement of people who are going to clear up the confusion about who God is. A movement of people who are going to clear up the confusion about who I am. A movement of people who are going to make sure everyone understands, Peter, what you have finally figured out. That I'm God in human flesh. That I'm God with us. That I am here for you. And, Jesus says, this movement is going to be so powerful. This movement is going to be so strong. This movement is going to be so invincible that the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And this carried a lot of significance for them because they're standing there where they can view the shrine, the temple to Pan, which people in the first century believed held the gates of Hades, the place of the dead. 
And so I think Jesus gestured over at this temple. And he said, you guys think this is the ultimate end. Jewish people, Roman people in the first century, they all believe that this has ultimate power. And he says, no, no, I'm starting a movement that even death can't stop, that hell can't stop, that a pandemic can't stop, that corrupt leaders, that people who lack integrity can't stop, that persecution and trouble and trials will not stop. I'm starting a movement that will not end. And it is all built and founded and driven by the understanding and the truth of who I am. Now, the reason I bring this up is because for all of us who are a part of a church, if you don't consider yourself a church person, I think this is important for you to understand. And this may explain some of your frustration, and it may clear up some of your confusion. For all of us who consider ourselves to be followers of Jesus, we have been invited to be a part of a movement. Listen, it is not a movement about church buildings. It's not a movement about religion. It's not a movement about making a nation, a nation that's a godly nation, and we're going to take our nation back. You know, we want God to be at the center. Well, that's all good. That's all fine. But that's not what Jesus started a movement to do. Jesus started a movement to clear up the confusion about who he is, to clear up the confusion about who God is. And the truth is, there is still plenty of confusion around that today. Now, nobody's going and visiting the Temple of Zeus or the Cave to Pan or the Shrine to Hermes, but there's still plenty of confusion about who God is today. And that confusion is still making it difficult for people to follow God. And so 15 years ago when we started this church, we started with one simple goal, with one simple passion. We wanted to be a movement that cleared up the confusion about who God is and introduce people to a personal relationship with the God who loves them and cares about them. This, this idea of we are given this extraordinary responsibility to be part of this movement, this extraordinary responsibility and privilege to help clear up the confusion about who God is, this is who we are and this is what we do. Because we are convinced that when Jesus came, he came to communicate and to demonstrate what God is like. In other words, don't miss this. If you're wondering what God's really like, all you need to do is look at Jesus. You want to know what God would say? Look at what Jesus said. You want to know how God would accept you? Look at how Jesus accepted. You want to know what God would do in a situation? Look at what Jesus did. You want to know what God thinks about you? Well, look at how Jesus thought about you. Because he came to communicate and to demonstrate what God is like. Jesus came to clear up the confusion around the identity and the nature of God. So, when you look at what Jesus taught, and more, important, when, more importantly, when you pay attention to what Jesus showed us, there are four things that we know for certain. There are four things that I'm confident are true for you and true for me. There are four things that help clear up the confusion about who God is. First of all, we're confident that Jesus loves you. Unconditionally loves you. Not only that, but Jesus accepts you just the way you are. Now, he didn't want you to stay the way you are any more than you want to stay the way you are. He wants you to become just like God created you to be. And this is part of the beauty of following Jesus is over time, he helps to transform us and he helps us to change and become the people that we most want to be. But 
That does not come at the expense if he accepts you just the way you are. You don't have to clean up your act. You don't have to get some things straightened out. You don't have to try harder and be better before you can approach Jesus or before you can have a relationship with him. He loves you unconditionally. He accepts you the way you are. And he forgives you. And I'm confident he forgives you because when he died on a cross and rose again to pay the penalty for your sins, think about this. You hadn't committed any of those sins yet. They were all in the future. He knew every single sin that you were ever going to commit in your entire life, and he still thought, in spite of all of that, that you were worth dying for, that you were worth pursuing a relationship with. So you can be confident that he loves you unconditionally. He accepts you just the way you are, and he forgives you. And not only that, you can be confident Jesus invites you. He invites you into a relationship with him that is personal. There's nothing religious about it. There's nothing stoic about it. There's nothing rigid about it. There's no do's or don'ts, to-do list. No, no, you don't have that in other relationships, and you don't have it in your relationship with Jesus either. He invites you into a relationship that is personal. He invites you into a relationship where you get to partner with him. He invites you into a relationship where you have purpose, you have meaning. And as you partner with him in this world to do what he has called and gifted you to do, you get to experience fulfillment and significance and meaning. And you know what you find on the road, on the path to fulfillment? Well, you find happiness too. It's right there along the way. This is, this is what you can be confident is true of Jesus. That God in human flesh, think about this, God in human flesh has come to clear up the confusion about who he is and what he is like. So all of us can know that he loves us, he accepts us, he forgives us, and he invites us to be a part of his family and to have a relationship with him that is that personal and that meaningful. So, for 15 years now, this has been our message, this has been our mission, this has been what our movement is all about, and it is what our movement will continue to be about. Because you know what? There are still people all around us who are confused about who God is. Some of you watching today, you may be confused about who God is. Some of you may have been presented a view of God that's just faulty. And it's not even your own fault. It's what someone, a, a pastor, a priest, parents, someone, maybe even a well-meaning individual presented to you. But it's just not accurate. It just doesn't reflect what Jesus revealed to us when he showed up on this earth. And the thing I want you to know is, a church, a church that is living out the mission, vision, and purpose that Jesus originally intended the church to be about. That is a church that is helping you clear up the confusion about God. So for those of you who are part of Journey, this has certainly been an unusual season for us, hasn't it? I mean, the reality is we've never experienced anything and probably never will experience anything like this again. But if you think for a second that our church, that our movement has been stopped by this pandemic, you need to look again. See, our methods look different, but we're still doing the thing that we've always been doing. And it has been extraordinary to watch how God uses that. It has been extraordinary to watch how God has used this forced change into us going online to connect with so many of you out there who we weren't connecting with before. It's incredible. And now we have an opportunity for more and more and more people to clear up the confusion for them about who God is and to let them know that Jesus is there. And he's inviting them, and he accepts them, and he loves them, and he forgives them.
It is an extraordinary opportunity we have had, and it's been so fun to watch that happen over the last few months. We've still got an opportunity to show people that we are for them. If you've been around our church very long, you know this is so important to us, but let me explain to you why it's important. We want people to know that we are for them because it gives them an opportunity to begin to understand that God is for them. To clear up the confusion about God, some people need to see us demonstrating who God is and what he's like towards them before they can understand God feels the same way. And so I'm really excited today to announce something brand new. We're going to introduce a brand new four initiative for this season as we're going through the pandemic. We're calling it For Our Neighbor. For Our Neighbor. So let me tell you how this is going to work. Every single month, we're going to have a specific focus that we're going to ask you to engage with. If you've been tracking along with our church and you watch online, you know, whatever, you get the emails, but you're not engaged, you're not contributing, you just kind of sat back and relaxed, okay, well, this is a moment where we need you to engage. If you're new to our church and you've just connected with us online from wherever you are, this is a moment where you can begin to engage and be part of this movement with us. What we're going to do is every month we're going to have a specific focus of ways we can be for the people around us in order that they can see and begin to understand that God is for them too. So during this month, I want to ask you to do three things. If all of us would do these three, three things, man, it would it'd make a huge impact in our neighborhoods and in our communities. So the first thing, for a lot of you, will be pretty simple. For us introverts, it may be a little more difficult. But the first thing I want to ask you to do this month is introduce yourself to, say hi to, meet a neighbor that you don't know. Somebody who lives in your neighborhood, your general vicinity. You've never introduced yourself to them. You've just gone on about your business. Figure out a way, you know, take some cookies to them, see them in the yard and just stop. Figure out a way to introduce yourself and just to get to know somebody in your neighborhood you don't know. That's number one. The second way we're going to be for our neighbor is I want to ask you to write a thank you note, send a thank you text, however you need to do it, to a healthcare worker in your community or in your neighborhood. A healthcare worker, somebody you know, a nurse, a doctor, support staff at a hospital, administrative staff, whoever it is. Somebody who's in the healthcare industry that's been serving us in an extraordinary way through this pandemic, would you send them a note letting them know that you're for them and you appreciate them? And oh, by the way, you won't throw a gift card in there. They won't mind that at all either, will they? Just let them know that you're for them. And then the third thing I want to invite you to do is this. I want to encourage you to figure out who the people are in your neighborhood who also are a part of Journey. Whether they attend physically, they watch online, who are some of the other people around you who are a part of our movement? And then what I want to ask you to do is this. Would you guys work together to identify someone in your neighborhood who really needs to be encouraged? It may be an elderly person who needs some work around the house, an elderly person who's lonely and just needs some people to you know, check on them. It may be a healthcare worker, a teacher, you know, who's going the extra mile and putting in so many hours right now. I don't know who it is, but you guys together can figure out who is one person in our neighborhood who could use some encouragement and some kindness and some love this month. And then as a team, y'all figure out how to best be for that person. Coordinate, you know, taking meals, sending gift cards, writing notes, making phone calls, doing some yard work, whatever it may be that they need. You figure out a way to send a message to that person that you're for them. Now, let me say this. Why are we doing this? Well, for starters, 
Everybody in our communities needs a little bit of kindness and love right now, don't they? This has been hard on everybody. But there is also a deeper reason. As I said before, the deeper reason is because there are people who live all around us, our neighbors, our friends, our co-workers, in some cases our family members, our classmates, who are confused about who God is. They do not understand that Jesus loves them unconditionally, accepts them just the way they are. That he forgives them for everything they've done. And they invites them into a personal relationship with him. And they will never have that confusion cleared up. They'll never fully understand that unless they first see people who follow Jesus demonstrating that same love, acceptance, and kindness towards them. You have an opportunity to do that. You have an opportunity to let God use you to clear up the confusion someone may have about him. So, that's what we're going to do. We're going to do it this week. We're going to do it this month. We're going to do it next month. We're going to keep doing it, pandemic or no pandemic, because this has not stopped our church. This has actually allowed us to have a greater impact than ever before. And when we meet again physically, and one day we will, I promise, when we meet again physically, I think we're going to see the reward of that. I think we're going to see the impact of that. As dozens and dozens and hundreds and hundreds of people who have been served and loved and cared for by us over these next few months, as they begin to understand who God is and explore a relationship with him for themselves. So, thank you. Thank you to all of you who love boldly, you invite constantly, you serve selflessly, you give generously, you're for the people around you in ways that many of us, we never even know you've done it. Thank you for being part of a movement. Not a meeting place, not a building. Thanks for being part of a movement and letting God use you and God collectively use us to clear up the confusion about who he is with the people around us. Let's keep this promise and this focus. We, you and me, as followers of Jesus, we will not make it difficult for people who want to turn to God. We're going to keep it simple. We're going to be for our neighbor so that they know God is for them too. So let me wrap up by giving you a few questions to reflect on, and hopefully you'll talk about it with your group, with your family, with some friends. How do you view or define the church, and how has it changed throughout your life? Second question, have you ever found yourself confused about who God is? We all have, haven't we? So who or what has helped you clear up your confusion? And then this third question maybe is the most important. What give you, gives you confidence that your view of God is accurate? My confidence comes from the fact that Jesus came to communicate and demonstrate who God is. And when he died and rose again, as I've said before, when you predict your own death and resurrection and pull it off, I'm going to go with whatever you say. I've got complete confidence in you. That's why I'm certain about who God is. Because Jesus communicated and demonstrated that to us. Let's pray together. Maybe you're watching this and you're thinking, well, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure I... I'm not sure I have had a clear understanding of who God is. I don't know that I have a relationship with him that's personal. I want to invite you right now where you are to make it personal. It is so simple. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. I give you my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for accepting me. 
Thank you for forgiving me. And thank you for inviting me to be a part of your family. If you're making that choice today for the very first time, we would love to celebrate with you. If you'll grab your phone right now and you'll text the word start new, make it all one word, start new to 94090. And just let us know you're making this decision to start a new relationship with Jesus. We want to celebrate with you. We'll get you some resources to help you know what your next step is. We're so excited for you. God, thank you so much for the people who are making that choice today. And thank you for the people who for the last 15 years we have watched over and over and over again hundreds and hundreds of people choose to begin to follow you. Thanks for letting us play a part in that and help us to be a movement of people that never loses focus on what matters most. That's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. If you'd take a moment to rate and review this podcast, it would really be helpful. And if you live near our church, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our phenomenal children and student environments, just visit us at journeycalway.com. That's journeycalway.com. Look forward to seeing you soon.